This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I was going to do like a big like monster truck rally kind of intro and it was going to be like from Casablanca to the Cascades, from Toulouse (laughs) to Tacoma. But I got all the places wrong. So we can't do that. But yeah. (laughs) Welcome back, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you happen to be cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. This week, we're putting our Dinner SOS on ice and highlighting your kitchen's unsung hero. Now, our caller this week, Lana, is already pretty hip to her freezer. Maybe once every other month, I'll spend a few hours on the weekend and cook, you know, 15 or 20 meals and stick them in the freezer. Lana lives in a pretty rural area in the mountains of Washington State with her husband and toddler. And that far outside of town, it can be difficult to do regular grocery runs. So she shops about once a month and goes all in on freezer meals. But even still, meal prep can be tricky. What I try and do is I, you know, I'll Google or I'll watch on YouTube or look at different websites to get ideas for recipes. And things always sound really good to me, but they're either things that I don't think will freeze well or I don't know how to adapt them to freeze well. And so a lot of it's kind of just been trial and error. It's funny because I think I'm like the exact opposite of you. Like at 6 p.m. every day, I go down to the kitchen and I open up the refrigerator and I ask myself, where is dinner? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, oh, no. what's it going to be? How do I make this happen? Mm-hmm. Like, in about an hour. I'm going to have to bring in like, kind of the A-team on this one because this is something I could, frankly, use some help with, too. Yeah. So I have a few questions. Sure. And one of them is, how much of the things you're putting in the freezer yourself, like, how much of them are kind of, like, assembled, ready-to-go dishes that just need to be reheated versus things that might be, like, a meaty sauce, but one that ultimately you're going to have to make some pasta the night you plan to serve it? It's a combination of both, and I'd say it's pretty equal. So I'll do some things that are, you know, pretty much ready to go. I just stick it in the oven to heat it up and serve it. Um, And then I also do other things like I might prepare everything for chicken fajitas. So I'll have all the vegetables cut. I'll have the meat in some sort of marinade maybe. And then I'll actually stir fry that or fry that up the night I plan to serve it. So I can do a little bit of cooking um, during the week. You know, if it's just stir frying something, if it's making rice or pasta to go on the side, that's fine. I can do a little bit of cooking but I don't have the time to spend, you know, an hour or two every night (laughs) just to get dinner on the table. What are some of the things that everybody really likes, whether it's a dish or whether it's like flavors or ingredients? Um, For dishes, I tend to do a lot of casseroles just because they're pretty easy to make big batches of those. I also do a decent number of marinades. So I might have chicken breast with a marinade and then I cook it the night of along with maybe a bag of frozen vegetables or I'll throw some potatoes in the oven to do baked potatoes to go with it. I'll do meatballs. I try and do a batch of 
you know, maybe four dozen meatballs or something like that. And then I just divide them up and then I can pull one out as I need it. And I'll just do spaghetti with a jar of spaghetti sauce and maybe some veggies. Um, but mm-hmm. the meatballs are ready to go. In terms of flavor, we're pretty adventurous when it comes to the different types of foods that we like. And that's another area where I, I feel like I need some help because most of my freezer meals are not that adventurous in terms of the flavor profiles. But my husband and I have done a lot of traveling and we've lived abroad. So we really like to try mm. different foods. But again, it comes down to how do I take, you know, a bomb me sandwich from Vietnam and convert that to a freezer meal. That's something I don't think would convert very well. <laughs> but are there other things like that that maybe we could turn into freezer meals? Yeah, totally. Where have you lived abroad? I've lived in Morocco and France and my husband lived in Morocco with me. We were there for a about a year and a half. And then we've both also done a lot of traveling. We did a big backpack around the world, year-long trip some odd years ago. Wow. When you freeze things like in casseroles, are you freezing them in glass dishes or do you have like a whole armada of vessels you are leaning on? Do you have a backup freezer? Like how are you pulling off like this much meal prep? We have a big deep freezer in our basement. Where we live in the mountains, we're fairly rural and the power goes out frequently. So in the wintertime anyway. And so we have a big deep freezer in the basement that stays pretty cold. And I also have a second refrigerator and freezer in the basement where I can put things. And in terms of how I freeze them, I use the disposable aluminum pans. I use some Ziploc baggies. And then I also have a food saver, the vacuum sealer. Okay. You know, I think this is something that like everybody experiences like an inspiration gap, if you Mm -hmm. will. It's hard to sometimes try something new when, you know, is is dinner the most like high stakes event of your day? Maybe not. But if, you know, you want people to enjoy it and you want it to feel like, you know, it was time well spent, it's sort of like the flavors and like maybe accessing like a wider range of dishes where, you know, you could kind of like use a little bit of an assist. Happy to work with you on this. And and thank Mm -hmm. you so much for calling in. And honestly, just hats off to your ability to think ahead. I'm excited to hear what you come up with and, and see what I can do in the kitchen. Awesome. In the meantime, good luck, you know, getting dinner on the table. <laughs> Thank you so much. To help Lana out, I needed to bring in an expert, someone who has apparently been eating freezer-assisted meals since childhood. My mom has four freezers. There's three in the basement, one upstairs, and there used to be one in the garage too, but we forced her to get rid of that one. Yep, you guessed it. We needed associate food editor Zainab Issa. Now, Z not only has freezer prep in her very veins, she also is the powerhouse behind the feature on freezer meals and the March issue of Bon Appetit. I love a freezer. I'm very used to cooking in bulk and keeping things aside for later. I think it's going to be interesting to explore the different like times at which to freeze things, whether do you freeze before you cook, you freeze after, that yeah. kind of stuff. All of yeah. this is like really valuable insight and maybe will help give Lana some further tools to evaluate recipes, you know, if she can adapt them to suit her needs. Um, yeah. But then also, yeah, just like amazing things that freeze well. Yeah, we for sure. Offer. We've got tons of freezer-friendly recipes that have that written nowhere. As much as it's about recipes, it's about strategy. And yeah. some of it is just, well, let's let's give her some more inspiring freezer recipes anyway. And okay. kind of expands the boundaries of, you know, the flavors that she's leaning on in her day to day. She has lived in Morocco and France. Oh, wow. She makes tagine all the oh, time. Oh, I love that. I'm excited. Uh, 
Before we get Lana on the line, there's someone I'd like to introduce you to. I'm Alex Beggs, a contributing writer to Bon Appetit and the previous senior staff writer, and I wrote a handful of handy freezer sidebars for the freezer story in the March issue. If you want to know how to freeze something, when to freeze it, should you freeze it, she's your guide. Take it away, Alex. Use a vacuum sealer. I love the Zwilling Fresh and Save vacuum sealer, but you can really use any kind. It'll just help create more space in your freezer and keep food from developing freezer burn. However, this does make me hoard a lot of cookie dough. Ginger, whole, unpeeled. Just put it in a bag in the freezer, and when it's called for in a recipe, it microplanes like a freshly shaved snow cone. Freezing is a great way to avoid food waste. When you're headed on vacation or sensing your spinach starting to wilt, clip the bag and toss it in the freezer. The leaves will freeze like shards of glass, and they're easy to clump off and throw into a smoothie or a blended soup when the time comes. If you buy bags of limes because they're cheaper in bulk, like me, freeze the juice and be prepared for margarita season. Stay tuned for the next break for more freezer tips. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. And we're back with Dinner SOS. So if you're a regular listener, you know that we're usually the ones giving the advice. But with Lana's expertise, Z and I flipped the script when we got her back on the line. I hear you have an extra freezer. Yep, and it's pretty much all full all the time. <laughs> <laughs> tell us your best freezer tips, Lana, please. Yeah, tell us tell us your freezer tips. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Okay, I need okay. to know. <laughs> I think for me, it comes down to how you reheat things after it's been frozen. So like burritos, I'd started out microwaving them, but the tortilla would get kind of soggy and limp and just not so great. And I mean, it tastes fine. But once I started putting them in my toaster oven, that was a game changer. Mm. And because it kind of crisps the outside rather than making it soggy. And then I add a little bit of salsa or a little bit of avocado or whatever I have on hand to kind of give that more fresh uh, aspect to it. Yeah, the fresh element wakes things up. Yeah, Yeah, that really turns those from just kind of a, eh, okay, it's in my lunchbox, I'll eat it, to a I look forward to eating I want this, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what's interesting for me is like on a culinary level, there's, okay, like anybody can just throw food into the freezer. But the question is, what is coming out, Mm -hmm. right? Like how are things being frozen? To what degree are they being packaged or stored in such a way to, you know, kind of mitigate any flavor or, you know, kind of loss of deliciousness, let's just say. And I feel like, can I be so bold as to just sort of say like, I've always believed in the freezer. Like I get so much crap from people in my life because I'll take like half of a chocolate. Who doesn't love the freezer? Oh, I used to slug this out in the 
early 2000s when people would watch me pre-slice my bagels, pre-slice my bread and put them in the freezer and they'd be like, what are you doing? You know, and you're just like, no, 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 no. The freezer really preserves it in this like yeah. beautiful stasis, you know, this lovely slumber. Agreed. And you go right into the oven or you go right into the toaster and it's like it was baked that morning. Yeah. Not everybody felt this way. The freezer is a hero as far as I'm concerned. Z, did you want to launch us off maybe and talk through some of the things you wanted to propose for Lana? Yeah. I mean, the entire story seems very up your alley. So I have a ton of options. I think generally like there are certain ingredients to avoid freezing, like anything that you want to be like super creamy dairy can be a little bit funky, but like things like muffins, casseroles, pasta bakes are all really great for freezing. Potatoes, I find, are hit or miss. Mm. Sometimes they're totally fine and sometimes like worst nightmare ever. Yeah. Rice, always amazing. In this story, I had done a spinach and ricotta lasagna and that freezes beautifully. And the Lasagna noodles are actually not cooked. So you assemble the whole thing. You make a quick like 15 minute marinara for layering and the whole thing sort of can sit in the freezer until you're ready to bake and you can bake that from frozen. But I feel like depending on the dish, like knowing when to put it into the freezer and at what parts to resume the cooking process is really important. A lot of our do aheads talk about it, but specifically for this story, we wanted to showcase like a bunch of different points of freezing. So I feel like the more you do it, the more you learn sort of when to freeze. Yeah. Well, Z, do you want to kind of surface like maybe two recipes that you think are particularly germane to Lana's okay. situation? I feel like the breakfast sandwiches and my favorite of the bunch, the roasted carrot soup with crispy shallots. Ooh, that sounds good. I feel like the soup is toddler-friendly, and it's very, very, very easy, very hands-off. You literally just put everything in the oven, walk away, blend it with cold stock if you want to freeze it immediately or with hot stock if you want to eat it immediately. That one's delicious, and the flavors are, like, really nice. There's a little bit of cumin in there, so it's earthy. There's a ton of ginger, so it has a little kick in, like, a very warming way. Mm-hmm. And then the breakfast sandwich. Sandwiches are just like so easy, very delicious. I feel like you can handle it. It's a prep ahead mission and you can just reheat them. I do have an element where you add it on after and I feel like that sort of brings it to life when you make something fresh for your freezer meal. And that's a Calabrian chili aioli that goes on the egg and cheese sandwich. Walk us through the egg component and the thinking that went into that specifically, Z. So the egg component is very quiche-like. It's super soft. There's like a heavy hand of heavy cream in there so that it feels sort of indulgent. We kept in mind the fact that likely you will be like reheating this sandwich. You probably won't be eating it straight. So we wanted to make sure that the egg slab could take like additional heat either through the microwave oven or in a skillet. So it's super custardy, very creamy and still stays soft. We didn't really want it to have that like rubberiness that you tend to think of when you think of freezer breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, eggs have a very high proportion of water, right? I mean, they do have fat as well, but even scrambled eggs, frozen, like they're fine, but I do think they perform better when they've had a decent amount of fat added to them because fat stays pretty stable in the freezer environment, right? I think those were two phenomenal recipes. Z, you gave me a couple of those sandwiches to bring back to Philadelphia and I was frankly stunned. Like I was a little bit of a doubter. I didn't tell Uh you. I was like, I had my sidecar of 
Calabrian chili aioli. <laughs> I had my little sandwich setups, and I think I just kept them in the parchment and just threw them in the oven. Was kind of like, we'll see. And they were so good. Oh, yay. That makes me so happy. I think that, that that aioli really just like makes it feel like it was never frozen in the first place. Also, I just want to plug, your roasted carrot soup was actually on my list, so now I'm like down to one <laughs> recipe. Um <laughs> This is very hands-off. And I think, Lana, like you're clearly looking to maximize that window of time in which, you know, you've waited a couple of weeks to do like a big shop. You've got your groceries and it's go time and you need to be able to multitask. This is actually just a very long-winded preamble to saying <laughs> my dish was also from the March issue, but from a different story. It is the soy braised brisket from my colleague, Hannah Asbrink. Mm. And it's great for a lot of reasons. Number one, I think this showcases like, you know, how meal prep can be an investment in time, you know, in which like you're really kind of doing the bulk of like cooking, but to create a dish that is ultimately like pretty versatile. And this kind of gets a little bit at the next overs concept that we've explored in another episode of it's not just about creating soy braised brisket full stop. It's about totally transforming the texture like creating like luscious brazy meat that can then find its way into all kinds of applications specifically in this dish like there's some soy sauce there's some oyster sauce there's some worcestershire sauce there's some red wine this is kind of an answer to the question of like what would happen if you turned more of like a classic braised brisket into a little bit of like a nod to kalbi jim um and sort of like very celebratory korean dish of um, braised short ribs. And I think like just the basic architecture of the dish is just a great one to know about. Very smart pick, Chris. Even in the reheating process, right? Like as in you're not going to lose anything. Nothing. It'll, mm -hmm. it'll be even better to be honest. Exactly, yeah. And the way that I like to store kind of braised meat like this is with the meat covered in like an adequate amount of liquid. Sometimes I'll even like top it up with like a splash of water or oil just from the standpoint of, you know, just not wanting meat exposed above the line of liquid so it just lasts a little bit longer. In a resealable plastic bag, like this would do so well. And once it's frozen, you can pack it flat in the freezer. It's super compact and easy to defrost because you just let that Ziploc bag hang out in a tray of cold water just long enough for it to um, be able to be poured out into a pot. Now for something like that to freeze it, would you recommend freezing it in the cooking liquid or 100%. just some water? Okay. Yeah. I'd say like you really want it to be in with its cooking liquid just from the standpoint of preserving flavor. But also mm -hmm. I just think meat in particular, like it freezes way better when it's got liquid around it. Okay, that sounds really good. Awesome. Well, listen, Lana, I hope this is enough to go on. And we're really looking forward to hearing what you end up cooking. You are honestly like true meal prep hero. And it's really staggering <laughs> how intentional you are about, you know, kind of like paying it forward and gifting yourself like all of this like wonderful food. Well done. Honestly, you, <laughs> you, you. <laughs> put me to shame. That's for sure. I think you guys have given me some good ideas. So I'm, I'm anxious to get the full recipes and read through them and then see what I feel like making. We'll leave Lana to decide what she feels like making and get cooking. Meanwhile, Alex has just a few more tips for you. Hi, it's Alex Beggs again. I'm back with more freezer tips. Let your freezer be grounds for science experiments. 
This is not FDA-approved advice, but if you're not sure something will freeze, try it and find out. Right now, I'm experimenting with polenta in my freezer. Who knows how that's going to turn out? But I figure I'll warm it up, add milk. I bet it's amazing. Anything that you plan on cooking has a good chance of surviving in the freezer. Like, I freeze jalapenos because I might use them in soup or something later. But, like, you're never going to want to use a frozen jalapeno and fresh guacamole. I love freezing buttermilk biscuit dough for Sunday breakfast. And while, yes, you should label everything in the freezer, I also put the oven temperature and timing on the label so I don't have to look up the recipe. Store nuts you don't use often in the freezer, like expensive pine nuts, because it'll keep them from going rancid in the pantry. Cooked rice and grains do freeze, and I find the best way to revive them is by making fried rice straight from the freezer. Oh, you've got a bag of peas and Trader Joe's stir-fried cabbage in there, too? Even better. From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dinner SOS. When we left off, Zainab and I had given Lana some freezer-friendly recipes to help her already impressive meal prep get to the next level. So we were very excited to hear what Lana had chosen to make. I've decided to make the roasted carrot soup for a couple of reasons, actually. One is that both Chris and Zainab had it on their list to recommend, and so I figured if both of them were planning on recommending that dish, then it's got to be pretty good. And the other reason is that my daughter loves roasted carrots, and so I thought it would be fun to try a different take on regular roasted carrots and try it in soup form and see how we all like that. Yay. It's really my (laughs) win as well, since it was on my shortlist, you know? (laughs) Before we continue celebrating our victory, Zainab, can you walk us through how to make your roasted carrot soup with crispy shallots? For sure. So the first step is to roast your vegetables. You cut up some ginger, red bell pepper, shallots, and carrots into like two-inch pieces and then roast them with olive oil, a bit of cumin, and some kosher salt. While that's roasting, you make your crispy shallot topping by shallow frying thinly sliced shallots in vegetable oil making sure to season them with flaky sea salt. Transfer the roasted vegetables to a blender and blend them with chicken broth and heavy cream, first on low until they're kind of like pureed and then on medium high until smooth. If you're eating the soup that day, top it with the crispy shallots, drizzle over some olive oil and dig in. But if you're planning to eat this later, let it cool completely and then transfer it into airtight containers to freeze. When you're ready to eat it, let the soup thaw overnight in the fridge and then simmer with some water on the stovetop or in the microwave until heated through. It'll keep in the freezer for up to three months and future you will be so excited. So your daughter likes roasted carrots. How did it go sort of pureeing it up and offering it as a smooth soup? Also, what I did is made some fresh bread to go with it and then let her dunk it in her soup. And she really liked that. So I think that worked out pretty well for her. And then my husband and I just had some bread on the side. So it worked out well for all of us. Nice. What was your experience like of making the dish? It was really easy. I did double the recipe because I wanted to have some that night. I know. Of course. (laughs) 
and some to keep in the freezer. And so we had some that night and I thought it was good. And I had forgotten to do a drizzle of olive oil on top. So um, when I reheated it after about a week or so later, we had it for lunch one day and I did remember to add that. And I actually thought the soup tasted better the second time around after it had been frozen and then reheated. And I'm not sure if it was the little drizzle of olive oil that really set it off or just the chance for the flavors to kind of meld together and reheat together that gave it that little extra oomph, I guess. But uh, we really enjoyed it. I feel like salt gets stronger in the freezer. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like even with lasagna, I always love it out of the freezer more because I feel like the flavors do intensify, but my Mm -hmm. best guess is that it actually just got saltier. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. (laughs) How did you freeze it? I froze it in a Ziploc bag. I made that flat so that it was pretty skinny in my freezer, which I find is a good way. I put it in two different bags. I still have one in my freezer, actually, Um, but it was the perfect amount for us to have for lunch one day, and then I have another one still that we can eat whenever we're ready for it. As a freezing technique, I just love that. I have this vision of myself. Like one day I will have a chest freezer and I will have a soup library in that (laughs) chest freezer in my garage. And I'll just kind of like, what do I feel like checking out tonight? Shuffle through them. Shuffle through them, you know, and just Mm -hmm. see what do you want to pull out? Because anything that's frozen in that sort of like flat configuration, you can defrost so quickly. So fast. Very smart. Was that your first time making your own crispy shallots, Lana? Yes. And I was a little bit nervous about that. And also, I didn't know how they would freeze, but they froze really well. I was worried they might get soggy when I got them out of the freezer, but they held up really well. Freezing onions is actually something that my mom does because it makes making curries and stews so much faster. Sliced and frozen? Yeah. Like slice fried and then you just remove the cooked fried onions from the bag and start like usually she does like a tomato based curry with it. And so I know that they retain their crisp because you've cooked off all of the moisture pretty much in the onion or shallot. And so for this, I was like this crispy topping that you can make ahead and also freeze and then also use for other things like once you know about it is a game changer. Yeah, I'll definitely be adding that to other dishes. And it's funny, you mentioning that about the olive oil made me think back to the first time I saw somebody put olive oil on soup. And I think I was maybe like in my early 20s and Mm -hmm. I was in France and I was kind of like, what is this eccentric (laughs) behavior? Just It really does make a difference. Of oil. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's giving you fat. But sure, it's giving you something grassy and peppery and almost bright in a way. 100%, especially considering that the recipe itself is pretty lean on the fat just because of like the roasting process. And then you just like blend it with stock. So adding that extra fat at the end definitely makes it feel more luxurious. Otherwise, there's only a little bit of heavy cream in the recipe fat wise. Right. And would this ever potentially inspire you to kind of take a similar approach like with other pureed soups or? Yeah, I've never really frozen much soup before. I've done some chili and things like that, but I've never done a a pureed soup like this. And so I think just that alone is going to be good because now that I know it works and works well, I can apply that to other pureed soups. There is one that I make that's kind of a version of a Moroccan soup that we had with potatoes and zucchini and onions and things like that. That's also a pureed soup. And so I could see this also working for that. So I think it'll be really nice to be able to make a big batch of soup and then stick it in the freezer and we've got lunch or dinner or sides for for a while. Well, I'm going to declare victory here. Chris. Not for myself, for us. <laughs> Team effort. You're like a meal prep pro, right? I mean, we had like very little to teach you here. And yet, at least this could introduce something kind of new for you too. 
and don't sleep on that soy braised brisket. If you're looking to bring in some flavors that are a little unexpected there, I mean, it's just wonderful and another one that would do so well frozen. Yeah, I'm really excited to get back and try new things. My freezer is actually getting low, so I think this is perfect timing. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for calling in and for just going along with the process yeah, with us thank and you. trying something new. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Lana. Have a good day. With a little bit of experimentation and a lot of patience, making your freezer part of your regular cooking rotation can be a real win. And before we go, here's Alex Beggs one last time with a final tip to keep your freezer game strong. We tend to hoard in our freezers, me especially. I just think my general rule of thumb is to always leave space for two to four martini glasses. You only need to freeze them for like five minutes, but you need to have space. So if there's not space, like let's start cleaning some stuff out. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. And for an upcoming episode, we are looking for all your questions about eating and cooking sustainably. Send in your questions and we'll try to answer. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, make-ahead egg and cheese sandwiches, soy-braised brisket, and the roasted carrot soup with crispy shallots on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Zainab Issa. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Leah Kasher is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. Special thanks to Alex Beggs for contributing some excellent freezer tips. Next week, I try to help a picky eater who has never tried a carrot. I didn't expect you to say carrot. I was <laughs> thinking cardoon, salsify, burdock. You know, like those were kind of like... No, I don't know. I actually do not know the words that you're saying right now. So if we could go back to carrot and eggplant, I would really appreciate it. Does he like escargot? <laughs> escargot. I feel escargot. like we're talking about more of an advanced palate for a child. He won't even eat butter on his toast. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th, and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning.